Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is the CEO and founder of Ath Mindset. That's A-T-H Mindset. She is also host of the Athlete Mindset Podcast, as well as the performance coach for the Oakland Root Soccer Club, former soccer player herself. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Lisa Bonta Sumi. fun yeah well uh, wanted to start off at first and share a little bit and learn a little bit uh, about ath ath mindset ath mindset tell us about it yes ath mindset so ath mindset was birthed um out of the visibility and the platform i have as the mental health and performance coach at the oakland roots um it i've gotten surprisingly a lot of just attention from that role as we know, it's something unique and, and newish in the sports industry. And so as a result, people are asking me, hey, can you work with my youth team? Can you work with our coaching staff? Can you work with these parents? And I was like, oh, wow, like the whole ecosystem of the athlete is in need of some support, especially coming out of the pandemic. I mean, we're still in it officially, but the sheltering in place um, part of the pandemic really um impacted a lot of a lot of people during that time, including athletes. And so um, I was like, wow, this response is real or this desire for a response is real. Let me see if I can position myself to do so. So um, myself and my husband, who's also a therapist, is the COO of Ath Mindset. I'm the CEO. And together we're building a team um, of therapists, clinic, licensed clinicians and mental performance consultants um, to serve the athlete and, and the entire ecosystem. So the, the vision is that, you know, I will prioritize female and brown and black practitioners to be able to offer the opportunity for athletes who fit that demographic to work with someone who looks like them, um, and to develop these up and coming practitioners, um, through the support of our infrastructure and supervision and consultation and help them do the work that they're passionate about and want to do. Talk about, I think it, most people don't realize the lack of practitioners that are black and brown when it comes to therapy, psychology, a lot of things and what that creates. Can you talk about that for just a minute? Yeah, I think that, you know, if we're, if we're going to go down that road, that there are that our systems of education are, are created and grounded in um, the white supremacy and, and, and it's hard to access those structures fully, like standardized testing, um, the access and resources for black and brown people to get their education, to take it to the next level, to be taken seriously um, as a profession. And that's a no brainer for me. And I wanna be able to highlight these communities and these communities of people to be able to be in their profession and be able to do the work that they wanna do um, and not have a barrier there for them to access um, and serve the populations that they want to serve. So yeah, love it. What originally led you down this career path into kind of the mental performance psychology world? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting story. So I've been a therapist for over twenty years, and um, growing up, though I was an athlete, and I had a really really tough time 
exiting the sport. I played soccer from age seven to 17 and then um, dealt with an injury um, that ended up being an injury that I couldn't come back from. My, my family um, didn't have the wherewithal resources to support me in my recovery physically or mentally. Um, and, you know, I ended up not being able to play in college. That was my hope and was on my way. Uh, but then entered college without the built-in support system of a team. Like my yeah. sisters on my team from age seven, you know, uh, my coaches as mentors, like they were already built in and like given to me. I didn't have the skills or needed to utilize them to, to build that kind of community around me. So I entered into college not knowing how to navigate my social life, navigate what is my life going to be now without soccer? Like I was only a student and athlete. And so half of me is gone. How do I like survive an already um, stressful environment? Any college student going into college for the first time is already a huge, huge stressor and a huge um, adjustment um, that a lot of lot of our young young people don't have the tools and skills to navigate that transition or even know they need them. Um, so I entered into that that time lost. So for about two two and a half years, I was in a real dark place. I. I I was involved with a lot of dangerous behaviors, made wrong choices um, until I found a new community. And so that was better. So it was so painful though, I put that to the side. So fast forward again, I'm a therapist doing my life, having fun with it, loving it. And then my daughter starts to become this amazing high-performing softball player, um, a sport that she found on her own, a sport that me and my husband knew nothing about. But now I think I know just as much about softball as I do about soccer, if not more, um, and helping through her through her process of development in the sport. And so she dealt with lack of belief, um, performance anxiety, like if I suck on the field and I suck as a person yeah. kind of thinking. Yeah. And so me and my husband were like, oh, we can probably help her with some of that, that sort of reshaping her, her thoughts um, and thus her, her how she feels about herself and thus then how she behaves on the field. Um, so we helped her and I was like, yo, like, this is cool. Like I love working in this way. Um, then I started working with her team and then her organization and then went, went back to school to supplement my clinical experience and degree with the mental performance side. So, um, that's kind of how it all happened. So basically inspired by my daughter. Love it. Um, you touched on identity. I think that's an important thing. Cause I think, I, you know, brought it up on a few past episodes. I struggled about three years into my professional career after college athletics, like big time, um, it, you know, getting diagnosed with depression and anxiety uh -huh. at that point, um, feeling lost without a team, without yeah. a coach. Uh, what are some things that, you know, student athletes and coaches can do to encourage a more healthy relationship and separate their performance from some of their identity? Yeah, I think it's important. Like the mantra I like to 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 use is your sport is what you do, not what you are. Yeah. You know, your sport is what you do. It's how you express one one aspect of yourself. It doesn't define you as a whole person. Yeah. So it's something that I talk to my young athletes about, you know, making sure that you have other outlets to express yourself, other areas that bring you self-confidence, that bring you joy, that bring you a sense of self-pride. Um, if we put all our eggs in one basket and then that basket breaks and all the eggs fall out like it's it's tough to manage when you don't have another basket to look look for um so like having multiple identities like if that's um playing an instrument or volunteering or mentoring or 
um, anything of the sort that that lets you be you in other areas. Um, I actually did a podcast interview myself with two um, collegiate soccer players who said that actually their interest and participation in other areas of their life besides school and their sport helped them be better when they played their sport because they're able to bring those experiences from those other communities, yeah. those other things to their to their sport and to their team dynamic that actually helped them feel better about what they can contribute. So yeah. I think that's so important. I, I think expanding, you know, helps us grow. Right. And I think that I kind of call it sometimes cross confidence because you go into these things <laughs> where maybe you're a novice at musically art, you know, it's not sport. And just like you said, this confidence or new life kind of is created from this thing that isn't maybe your main thing. Um, can you talk about one kind of how that confidence effect can happen and then two other ways that young athletes can build confidence in a healthy way? Yeah, no, I love that the question because a lot of people don't realize that confidence can be developed, that you know, a lot of our young, young um, folks feel like, oh, I don't really have that fire. I really wasn't born that way. Or like, that's not how we are in our family. And da, da, da. that like, okay, like that might be your personality or your disposition, but just because you're not born with a level of confidence doesn't mean you can't develop it. So confidence is a mental skill. And there, there are tools, mental tools that we can train on and practice that can help develop those those mental skills like confidence is one um motivation being able to regulate your emotions those are all skills and so with confidence the tools that i really like to work on with my athletes are um self-talk making sure that what you are allowing to seep into your brain and your existence is positive because yeah. when it's positive then you're gonna feel positive and then you're gonna behave as a result of that positivity right so catching like, oh God, I suck today. Like, uh, like, okay, I'm catching it. I'm noticing it. Let me pivot. Um, I'm doing the best I can right now, you know, and I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep staying present. That's what I'm going to do right now. And then your brain's going to like, you know, move in that, that direction and be in that area. Um, our brain is archaic. It's reptilian. It wants to go to the negative. It wants to like, make sure we're scanning for all the potential danger signs in our life. Cause as cavemen, that's what we had to do. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully we're now evolved and our brain isn't as it, but we, if we, it wants to be optimized though, if we train it, it'll optimize to what we're training it in. If we train it in positivity, affirming messages, positive self-talk that will help in the growing of the self-confidence yeah. as a skill. That's one tool. Is it Another one, how do you feel when they talk about like, I've heard name it to frame it. Like, so when that voice pops up, you know, I had a friend, he used this example, you know, he had a tangent of his own name, you know, and when that was the voice, he's like, you know, you could talk to it and it helped, does it, it helps separate in some instances where like, oh, jerky Jake's showing up up there. You better be quiet. Right. Like, I mean, at least it starts the process of separating. No, I love it. That's funny. I've never heard that. But what, what you're talking about is personifying the thought um, and naming it. We can do that in a lot of different areas. We do that even with our injury. I've learned about that through, through some of my, cool. my colleagues around the, the sort of psychology of injury. We can name it like this isn't my bad shoulder. And like, so we're judging and it's like, uh, but but this is Nancy over here. And if Nancy, you know, is misbehaving right now, let's like have, get her back on track or like, oh, 
that that voice right there, that's Timothy. Like he's bugging me right now. Let, like, let's talk back to Timothy and get back to where we're supposed to be. Don't let these Nancy's and Timothy's like take you off track of yeah. where you want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I think I'm glad you brought up self-talk because I think it's so important. So I, I love asking kids, you know, if we talk to your, if you talk to your friends, like you talk to yourself, would they still be your friends? Right. You know, and I think we're right. it, you're like, oh, we are, you know, we can be so overly critical um, again with this archaic brain. It's so easy to do. Exactly. Uh, what uh, talk about confidence um, and, and, you know, kind of how you got into working with teams and athletes a bit more. Is there a mental skill that you love teaching or that you find a lot of your athletes that maybe there's a lot of aha moments around maybe a couple of weeks later after they learn it that kind of gets you jazzed up to teach people? Totally, totally. I mean, I think whatever the mental skill, so let's say whatever the scenario is and whatever mental skill that they can develop to help with that scenario is what I get excited about because each athlete is different. And if if we can identify what's the area that um, you feel that you're lacking in or like hearing them tell their story a little bit, then I can be like, oh, that sounds like motivation or that sounds like confidence or it sounds like um, you don't know how to calm yourself in a certain scenario. Like me learning um, and, and having them share their story and share some of their lived experience. And I can say like, oh, I have some ideas about how you can feel better about that aspect of your sport. And so let's say if we, if we move on to motivation as a skill, then I can teach them some of the tools to help develop that skill. Um, and imagery and goal setting are, are some of my, my favorite ones. Um, goal setting, because let's say a goalie says, I want to you know have a clean sheet. So not have any goals against me in this game. Okay, but you have to remember that that has not everything to do with you. You're not fully in control of that goal. That's an outcome goal that you might have for a couple games this next game. But what are you going to do in your position? How are you going to prepare to help make that most successful? Knowing that there's so many aspects that are not in your control or maybe breaking it down to a process goal. I am going to do these many um like I'm going to rehearse saving the ball, diving to the right side 50 times at the end of training session this week for the upcoming game. So that's a process goal that's measurable that you can check off when you do it. It's fully in your control. Yep. Um, and that that builds that motivation and the confidence actually to like, be like, oh, I'm in charge of this. I have some agency. I can do this. Um, and then hopefully, you know, everybody else on the team is doing their part and setting their process goals to also contribute to that. Yep. So that that's a really important one, making sure that the goal you're setting is something that you're fully in control of. And that's realistic and measurable and something that you can check off. And when you check it off, the brain likes that. Yeah. So yep. being able to set those goals, check them off. Yep. Get some, get some dopamine and check it off the box. Dopamine. Exactly. <laughs> get it, get right. It. And that's just like, it's that you can deal yourself the good stuff. You, know? um, you touched on it, uh, being a sports parent. Um, it, you know, a lot of youth ecosystems can be chaotic, uh, often when asked about attributed to our parents. Um, what are some things that parents maybe sometimes get lost on and maybe to follow up, you know, things that they can do to best support their child wherever they're at in their kind of athletic journey? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first part of the answer to that question is the parents having a self-awareness of who they are in relation to their kid in their sport. You know, when you say a certain something or encourage a certain something or boot, 
poo poo a certain something. Where is that coming from? Is that coming from what you are vibing from your kid or is that something from yourself? Like I find that a lot of parents without them even realizing it. So that's where the self-awareness come in are living vicariously through their kid. Like I never made it to such and such level, but I'll be damned that my child won't. And so like, I'm going to do everything I can to get them there without asking the child, like, "Mm, is this what you want to do? Like, are you prepared for this? Are you preparing for this level and this type of competition or this type of participation? Like, are you, are you good? And like, just having our kid guide us. I think that's because our kids, they feel a lot of pressure. Um, Even the verbal and nonverbal pressure that gives them anxiety. They don't want to let anybody down. They want to impress their parents or parents and they won't speak up about it. You know, they want to just do what they're told and like go out there and like make them proud. Um, So we have to be really, really sensitive and conscientious and aware about what is what's going on with the kid and how to best support them being who they want to be in it. Cause I tell my kid all the time, she wants to play college softball. I'm like, this is reality. It's not all fun and games, girl. Yeah. There are times when you're going to be getting for 5am to do weights and like train to a day and like get home at eight and not have eaten and still have to do your homework. Like you ready for that? Like a lot of parents need to know what the reality of it is. This yeah. isn't about just like the big dollar, like scholarship and NIL deal or blah, blah, blah like yep. preparing themselves and their their kid for the realities of what it is that's my dad joked when i was you know fortunate to get a football scholarship people would say hey your kid got a free ride and he'd say no i got the free ride he's working his ass off <laughs> and i think that exactly. it only gets harder and i think that's you know the harder with and you get further from your support system and i think that is also a, a big stat out there that you know, one out of five kids that do give out a scholar give up their scholarship, it's because they're too far from home. Yeah, it's the support system that's absent. Um, and so I think again, importance of creating these skills so that we can support ourselves better. Um, exactly, and learn how to create a new support system elsewhere. You know, to be able to not feel yeah. alone. Because that's what happened with me in college when I was in that dark spot. Uh, my work study boss became my mom away from home. And then she invited me into her family and her community. And so I felt like a part of something again. So if it's not with us, when we go, like, how do we create it or find it before we yeah. even get there? Yeah. Most definitely. I, one of the things I wanted to ask you too, I, another former guest of mine, we're having a the, uh, conversation uh, around uh, the, the saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And we were talking about how it's a little bit outdated, lacks a lot of evidence in the real world. Um, And, you know, we are challenged by one or two other people in this. But the thing I kind of take from that is also this idea of, you know, wanted to hear your opinion on that is how you do anything, how you do everything. And, you know, the other thing we talked about was uh, context does matter in our world. Um, and I think when you look at that relationally, it fails, it falls very flat in how you treat your husband or child is how you treat everyone. <laughs> Cause I don't think that's right. realistic either. Um, but you know, you, what do you think about that saying? How does that, when you kind of I don't talk know, about I've it? never, I've never heard, heard it. it. I get it. I hear it a lot. Like, and so I just wanted to, yeah, I was, wanted to get your, your thought on it. Um, I guess kind of a tangent on that question, uh, coaches a lot of times cry 
for buy-in. I want buy-in on my team. I want pe- kids and pe- families, whoever, to buy in. And I think that buzzword kind of trips my trigger a little bit because you know, I want to know what you're selling. Um, and you talked about creating that community and that culture, but how can coaches create cultures where instead of trying to offer to sell something for buy-in, that they're giving their athletes and people in the program equity to create what they're being a part of? Exactly. Exactly. Right. I love that. Like if you're asking for buy-in, that means you're selling something and it's already been created and manufactured. So it's not a collaborative product, quote unquote, or piece of whatever or something that like, I think every season and this, this happens and every year, especially in the collegiate seasons, the way they are like every year, it's a different crew, it's a different squad. Same with the pro sports. Like we're about to you know, we're just announcing our new coaching staff for this upcoming season. And then thus comes, okay, who are the personnel, who are the rest of the staff? Um, and it changes every year. And so those humans who create, who make up the squad and the, the staff bring their own individual vibe, culture, um, way of doing things. And I think it's the staff's responsibility to highlight the strengths of all of that and bring us together for for a few common goals or sets of values that our organization is about these these core values. Our team runs from these core values, and this is how we're going to um, express them in the team. And this is how we're going to know each other um, and bond as humans with the same goal about those values, but also winning. Like people want to win yeah. um, and it's the process of how you get to winning that I think is important. Sometimes left out. Do you want to be like winning, crawling over the finish line, so to speak with bloody knees, or do you want to win with, you know, your hands in the air and everybody have their arms around each other, crossing it together. It's just, how do we create that experience? And it starts with it being collaborative and um, not I'm, I'm dishing you this thing. You got to buy it or not. But like, how do we come together and create it together um, that we can all have some say in, that we can all have um, some ownership in and accountability and believe in it? Yeah, love it. Um, Your former soccer player, the World Cup's going on right now. Do you have a prediction for the next game? (sighs) It's so funny. I find myself like switching. I was just watching before I got on with you, actually. I'm (laughs) switching between um, Costa Rica and Spain and um, Japan and so and Germany and like those teams and like and like I'm getting them mixed up because who's playing who but I'm like I don't care who who plays I love the competition I love the fight I love the mentality I love the evolution of the game if I watch it from minute one all the way to the 90th plus like how it changed why it changed um, you know when personnel is subbed in or subbed out how does the culture of the play change because someone has new ideas or a new energy about how to execute their role. Um, and after like assessing kind of what the vibe is from the other team, we make the adjustments and all, it's just so cool. It's so fascinating, cool. So I don't have a favorite. I will though on Saturday morning, get up at 6 a.m. to watch the U.S. team play. I will do that, um, no lie, but you know, I, just, I just love the, competition of any high level level sport and and this is one of the highest in, in the world and uh other cool how did you they had i think the first all female refing crew officiating yes. crew that was close to germany i think that I, I was watching um awesome when i saw it on socials that it was happening i was like let's go like 
it's it's a it's about time and i hope this isn't the last it's the first of many hopefully and um i was watching the um on-field ref and she she's so like tiny compared to the guys and blowing her whistle getting in there i was like go girl do you like she, <laughs> she was not afraid to like get in there and i loved seeing it she's super confident um so she was holding it down really well love it last question uh in your work what brings you the most joy in what mm. you get to do? Love the question and thank you for it. Building relationships, like knowing people, knowing them beyond what they're able to do, like knowing what brings them joy, what what helps them feel loved and how they love, um, you know, helping them identify their strengths and like ways to show up in the world that they feel proud about. Um, but building those relationships, you know, with my, my own technical team, my colleagues there to the players, um, to the parents of the players, to, to front office staff, um, the coaches, it's just that human interaction and that knowing um, is really, really why I get up in every morning. Yeah. Great.